Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. I hope everybody's having an absolutely amazing day. And if you're not, I hope your day does get better and you can always reach out to us here at The Sober Unicorn. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us. Well, all of our guests are special, as I've said before. Some special ed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but this individual I actually met probably within my first week of coming into recovery here in South Florida. Um, originally, I thought this person like hated me. Um, he just has like, I mean, I for men, men I call it resting bulldog face. Um, <laughs> But over time, um, he's actually been a very good fellow and somebody that I've majorly leaned on here in part of my support group. So hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Holden? Doing amazing. You know, just living my best life here in sunny South Florida. That's all you can do down here. For real. I'm so glad it did not rain last I night. Because, anyways, we won't go into details. <laughs> but um, I wanted to bring him on. He has a very interesting, unique story. Um and kind of just share his experience, strength, and hope in his recovery. And so kind of give everybody a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, originally I'm from northern Virginia, just outside D.C. Um, parents divorced when I was two. And uh, I had a, a pretty rough upbringing. Um, my mom had a revolving, a revolving door rather of different boyfriends, and they were all pretty pretty bad um you know physical abuse mental abuse emotional abuse um and like because of that at a very young age i kind of like basically discovered like what what, what wearing a mask means you know uh when i was at home it was like be seen not heard speak when spoken to and because of that i was like very reserved and quiet spent a lot of time in my room away from everybody but then when i got to school I wanted to be loud and boisterous in the center of the attention. And so much so that I would go by a different name. Like when I was at home, everybody called me Chris. But when I got out with my friends and at school, I went by my last name. Everybody called me Opie. Hmm. And it was, so that was like the, the, you know, like the root of our, not the root of our disease, but like, you know, you hear like chameleon, a mask and this and that, mm -hmm. like that's where it started for me was at such a young age. Um, he was literally first grade when I started going by my last name. Damn. You know? Um, and, you know, to be honest, I kind of, I got into, to, you know, using drugs fairly late in life. Uh, I drank a little bit in high school, you know, but it was standard high school stuff, you know? Like, it wasn't, I wasn't drinking alcoholically in high school. I wasn't, but I did have a few moments in high school where, like, you know, I blacked out and I wouldn't remember things or... I would wake up and have to ask people what I did or what I said. Um, but the real thing that like kicked it off for me was um, when I got to college. You know, I didn't have that responsibility, or I, I had responsibility in reality, but I didn't have anybody checking up on me. You know, in high school, when I skipped class, they called my mom and said, Chris isn't in school. College, they don't do that. Yeah. You know, like there is no attendance. And mm -hmm. if you're not there, so. You know, I tell everybody that I threw a four-month-long $9,000 party Damn. in my college experience because it cost $9,000 for the semester. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't go to class, and I, uh, I ended up failing out. 
uh, we got the, the letter in the mail on Christmas Eve and you know they were politely asking me to not come back and I remember calling the dean and being like no you don't understand like this first semester was fun this next semester I'm gonna I'm gonna take it seriously I'm gonna raise my GPA and I'll never forget she goes Chris you don't have a GPA oh my god like I just did like I didn't have one and so that was where I was introduced to depression for the first time and um you know I was I played sports in college um I played sports in college, and then I failed out. Sports are gone. Uh, and I'd played sports from a very young age, you know, the camaraderie, the team, like all of that. And I was, always felt like being a part of something. And so sports are gone. College is gone. All my friends are in college having a good time. I'm back living with my mom, and I was miserable. So that's when I started experimenting. You know, first started with weed. So the first time I smoked weed, I was 19. That was pretty late. It is pretty late. You know, like I was so anti-drug in high school that if you did smoke weed, I wouldn't hang out with you. Like, yeah. Um, But by the time I was 20, I was introduced to opiates Mm -hmm. and a needle. Like that's how fast it progressed for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like talking about war stories. Like I will, but I don't like it. Um, Just know that my life was bad. My life was unmanageable. All the things that you hear in a meeting. Um, Burned bridges, lost jobs, wrecked cars, ruined relationships, the whole nine. Um, I had a son. I thought that that would be my saving grace. It wasn't. All it ended up doing was I had a hostage now. And and I took my son to some seedy parts of D.C., some seedy parts of Baltimore to get what I needed. And, you know, I put him in some some serious uh, consequences. Um, You know, I lost custody of my son. Um... You know, and I'm still, even today, I'm working on getting that back. But, um, yeah, I really hit rock bottom when, uh, let me let me backtrack a little bit. So I've been to, to rehab a few times. I've been to treatment quite a few times. And so much so that, like, I, I, I thought I wasn't a drug addict. I just had a heroin problem. So I can stop doing heroin. I'll be fine. Didn't work out that well. No. But... I did not do heroin for five years, but I did everything else. You know what I mean? Like nothing else changed. Yeah. Um, And then COVID happened and I fell right back into the opiates. Um, But what really brought me to South Florida was alcohol. Like alcohol brought brought me to my knees worse than than the opiates did. Really? Yeah. Um, Because on opiates, man, like I just wanted to sit on the couch and chill. I didn't want to do anything, you know, but drinking, like I would drive. I would want to continue the party. I would want to go and do, and then, you know, your inhibitions get lowered, your, th- your mental capacity and your thought process gets skewed. And, you know, before you know it, I'm <laughs> breaking into places to see if they've got like, I'm, I had the door code to my neighbor's house and I went into his house at like two in the morning to see if he had any alcohol and like, you know, um, but what really brought it to the, to what, what, my rock bottom is February 9th, 2021. Um, my, I had gone out with some friends the night before I got home. I was feeling a little rough. And uh, my mom, I was living with my mom at the time and she got on me and I just said, you know what, I'm leaving. She was like, I'm gonna keep your son here. I was like, good, I, I can't drink if I have my kid with me. Oh, I can, but it's not safe. Yeah. Um, so my mom keeps my son, I go out and I go on like a, a, a all day bender 
And then it comes time for me to go back to my mom's house and I was going to pick my son up and we were going to go see his mother. But I couldn't drive, so she came to get us. And um, I got to my house. My mom wouldn't let me in. I said, if you don't let me in, I'm going to kick in the door. And I did. When I kicked in the door, the way the law works in Virginia, I kicked the door, so the door becomes an extension of myself. The door hit my mom and cut her in the face. Therefore, I assaulted my mother. That's a really weird law. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I learned that at a younger age because I went to smack a beer can out of one of my mom's old boyfriend's hands. And they said that the beer can was an extension of his body. Therefore, I assaulted him and I started the fight. So I already knew about that law. Okay. Um, Kicked the door and grabbed my son, put him in my girlfriend's uh, car and uh, told her to get out of here because I knew I'd be going to jail. And I did. I got arrested, decided to headbutt a cop. Don't do that. It's not smart. Headbutting cops is not smart. Um, yeah, and then while I was in, in jail, my mom filed a protective uh, order and an emergency transfer of custody. So I had lost custody of my son, and I was no longer allowed within 500 feet of my mom or my son. And even with all that, I still didn't stop. Yeah, that's, that's insane, and it shows like how bad the addiction is. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I... I made a decision that I needed to get some help and I got some family members involved and they helped get me down here to beautiful, sunny South Florida. It's crazy how many fucking people come to South Florida to seek recovery. Yep. And many of us, well, I didn't, I don't really come here. I didn't come here for rehab, but I did come here seeking a new start in recovery. Right. Um, so when I go to meetings or anything like that, like, I would say 75% of the room are transplants from somewhere else in the States that came here for rehab and that never left. And I think that's why the recovery community here is so massive and so fucking strong Mm -hmm. because of how many people come here and just don't ever fucking leave. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, 75% might be low. It's very rare you meet someone born and raised in South Florida. Um, There's there's a couple of them out there, though. But honestly, man... Staying in South Florida was the best decision I could have made. You know, I had to make that decision to, to choose to be away from my son and, and all that. And, um, but home didn't feel like home anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I felt like there wasn't anything left for me in Virginia outside of my son and my mom and mm-hmm. my brother. Um, but, like, my son and my mom and my brother aren't what's going to keep me clean. So what kept you, I mean, of course... Rehab doesn't keep you clean no. either. So no. the thing is, what kept you clean? I immediately started to see the gifts of recovery. Immediately. I had nine days clean. And I was still in treatment. I was still in detox. Um, and I got a phone call. And, you know, well, I didn't get a phone call because we didn't have phones. <laughs> but they pulled me into the office and say, Chris, you have a phone call. And I get on there and it's my uh, probation officer. And she goes, Chris, I just want to let you know. Because I had 18 months of jail time over my head for the assault on my mom. And they said, Chris, we, we spoke to the judge. We told him where you're at and what you're doing. Uh, your 18-month jail time has been suspended. Nine days clean. Holy shit. And honestly, at nine days clean, I wasn't sure I wanted to stay clean. You know? But I was like, okay. I was like, that's what nine days looks like. What about nine weeks? Mm-hmm. What about nine months? You know? Um, and then honestly, just from there, I just kept reaping the rewards of being clean. Like, you know, I was able to, I'm in a three-quarter sober living house right now, and it's a very selective 
well, they're getting a little bit more lenient now because a lot of the people that have been there before me have moved out. But when I moved in, it was very selective. Like you had to have six months clean. You had to have this, 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 this. I met all the requirements except for having six months clean. And you know, you can't rush that. Time takes time. Yeah. But they were like, you've done such a good job that we're going to change this rule and let you go in. So I got to go in there with less than 90 days clean. Um, so like that was a gift, right? You know, like I technically, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I don't have six months and everybody else here does like that says something. Um, and then from there, man, like I, I got a job and like, I know a lot of people that go through a lot of jobs in their first year in recovery. I have the same job today that I had gotten fresh out of rehab. So question with that, cause I know you, of course you're a bartender. I am. Why the f- hell would you go to bartending fresh in recovery? So again, I do not recommend this. I can't stress enough how much I don't recommend this. There have been tons of people who have asked me to get them jobs. And I say, talk to me when you get a year clean. Like I, I, I won't, I won't do it. Cause I have seen, I, I, when I first got hired, I got a lot of people jobs there. None of them made it. None of them made it. Um, restaurant work is what I know. It's what I've done since I was 19 years old and I failed out of college. Like I was telling you about. Um, I became a bartender three days after turning 21. I went to Vegas for my 21st birthday. I get back. They say, hey, while you were gone, we fired our weekend bartender. You are now our, bar- our bartender. I said, I don't know how to bartend. They said, sink or swim. It's exact quote from my manager. Sink or swim. And I figured it out. Um, during my many relapses, my mom, at one, when I was living with my mom, said, if you go back to the restaurant industry, you can't live with me. So I got a desk job and I had a desk job for two years. During that time, we had COVID, world gets shut down, my job ends up downsizing, and I had made it through the initial downsizing, but it had tripled my workload, which I think also kind of, like, I'm not going to make excuses, I drank because I wanted to drink, but I think my job, stre- my job stress added into the factor of me drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I just decided, I literally, I didn't even tell the company I quit, I came to Florida for rehab and just didn't show up for work. And, you know, they take our phones, so I'm sure they were, like, trying to call me and whatnot. And I just, phone's going straight to voice. Like, I just disappeared. You're probably not the first person to do that or the last. No, no, no. Well, that company, the company is still in existence, but my office has been shut down permanently because of COVID. And they downsized again, apparently. Uh, But so when I got out of rehab, I even said, I go, I'm not going to bartend. I'm not going to do it. And then this guy who's in my halfway comes home and he's like, I made $1,000 tonight. And I was like, you're fucking lying. Yeah. I was like, you're lying. And uh, he showed me his money. And I was like, that's not all from tonight. Like, there, there's, there's no way. Yeah. And he was like, you don't believe me, go apply. You know what? $1,000 a shift. Like, Hell run yeah. It. Run Who wouldn't it. do that? Uh, by the way, I've worked there a long time. I've never made a thousand dollars a shift. I still think he's bullshit. I think he's full of shit and lying on it. Uh, but I go and I walk in and you know, the guy asked if I had experience and I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, I'll go get your new hire paperwork. I never even filled out an application. And for me, bartending is a constant reminder of what I don't want to happen to me. I watch people come in completely stone cold sober and leave being carried out by their friends or throwing up in the bathroom or me kicking them out for drinking and doing X, Y, and Z. Or I see my coworkers. Cause I used to be that coworker. I used to drink on the job all the time. It's free alcohol. Of course I'm going to drink it. 
technically it's not free. You'll get fired for that. I did. Um, but I'll watch my coworkers and like that, I'll see them start to, or I'll watch a coworker make $300 in a night and then the next day come in and be like, I'm broke. I'm like, how? We got off work at 1130. It's now 11 o'clock in the morning. 11 and a half hours later, where'd your money go? Well, we went out last night. Well, yeah, that's like three and a half hours to get bliss. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, well, down here, yeah, they have even longer. Bars on close to like four, some bars, 4 a.m. Well, and most people in the service industry that partake are not only partaking in liquor. Correct. So, it, for me, it's, it's a, one, it was, a, I figured I needed to save money quick because I had none. And I had to, my mom said, I'll pay for your first month of halfway. After that, you're on your own. And I was like, okay, well, I can't work two, possibly three weeks before I get my first paycheck. And then I'm trying to figure out how to be clean. I'm trying to figure out what this new life is like. And now I'm going to figure out living paycheck on a paycheck. Give me the, e- the easy money yeah. for lack of a better word. I mean, it's not an easy job by any means. Like it's, it's difficult. It's stressful. Not everybody can do it. Um, but I don't know. I, and then like, I genuinely enjoy where I work. I like the people I work with. I like my managers. I like, it's right on the water. It's a beautiful view. And, you know, I get to be on my feet. I'm not meant for a desk job. I've learned that. I'm not meant for a desk job. There's two years I was doing it right before the pandemic. I was miserable. Yeah, you probably ballooned the fuck up and I weighed. I did. I did. I weighed, <laughs> the heaviest I ever weighed was during that, when I, I weighed almost 300 pounds. What's crazy is I, like, I have a friend um, back in Texas that was a bartender, got clean, remained a bartender, and he says the same thing. And the fact of that seeing these people just get sloshed makes him like, like okay, this is another reason why I stayed clean. Mm-hmm. And, but for you, being somebody that was in active addiction with alcoholism and, and other stuff, do you have a shorter temper... Or a shorter fuse when it comes to people being stupid and saying, all right, bitch, you're cut off. Yep. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. One other thing before I get into that. Another thing that helps with me is I tell all my coworkers I'm in recovery. Mm. There's no secrets. There's no hiding. There's no, like every single person I work with knows that I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do anything. Like, and that is crucial because if anybody starts to see me doing anything, they're going to call me on it. Yeah. Um, but no, I absolutely... Like, I'm real quick to be like, oh my God, like I'll, I'll, luckily my bar is a big enough bar that there's always two bartenders. So if somebody starts to get real annoying, I will walk up to the other bartender and be like, I'm not talking to them anymore. It's on you. And then if they piss off the second bartender, I love kicking people out and cutting people off because it's a, re- it's a, it's a, a reasonable excuse for me to be unspiritual. Yeah, I it's, never, I never got cut off only because my I tip my bartender's forty percent. And oh yeah, I would let you hang out as long as you wanted, <laughs> as long as you're not touching anybody, or screaming any profanities. Yeah, no. Nope. And even then, I, profanities really aren't all that bad. It's a bar, um, but no, I do have a shorter fuse. I'm decent. Like I can put up with some stuff, you know, um, and I can chalk it up to they're drunk. Um, but I definitely, yeah, I do have, work is the one place that I get angry and I get frustrated. But it's understandable, especially with the environment that you're in. I also work at a high volume restaurant. Yeah. Like high, high In volume. South Florida, dealing with spring breakers, Correct. dealing with tourism um, and people that are entitled as fuck. Amen. 
Amen. Um, but going back to like the gifts of re- uh, recovery, for anybody that may be listening that is in early recovery or a few months in, know that sometimes these gifts can take fucking time. Yeah. Don't expect to nine days in no. to, get, to get anything. Because the thing is, I'm 90 days in and... Um, as of today, actually. Let's go. Yeah, today's three months and 90 days. I'm so happy funny. for you. Um, but my, the gifts of recovery are just starting to kind of show themselves to me. Um, even my last run, when I was nine and a half months clean, it's it took some time. And the thing is, we also perceive gifts differently. Correct. Like, Getting a, a, a new job or an increase to other people is ex, like an expectation, right. but to us in recovery, that's a gift. Right. Being able to like go to a store and afford a fifty dollar pair of shoes, that's a fucking gift mm-hmm. because many of us, like, I'm hoping to get Renee on this podcast, but some of us didn't, didn't have, shoes. have shoes, couldn't afford shoes, how to go to Walmart, DZ, pay less when it was. In business, mm-hmm. or steal from Payless like I did when hey, it was in business. Get it how you can. Hey, I worked there, so I just walked out <laughs> with all kinds of shit. Um, but gifts take time, and yeah. so you have to make sure you're, even without the gifts, you're so willing to put in the work. Because every day that you're clean is a gift yep. of recovery. Because um, I'll bring this up. I had a Chelsea on this podcast. And this is after my first relapse. And I said, I only have 30 days. Don't ever say that. She popped off. She's like, don't you ever dare put only in front of your recovery time. She goes, because most people can't dream of getting 30 days. And she goes, some people don't even get the chance to get 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So she's like, don't ever disqualify any type of time. My sponsor, Uh, my sponsor goes, fish swim, birds fly, addicts use. Because if you were to see a fish flying in the sky or a bird swimming in the ocean, you would say it's a miracle. So why is it not a miracle that you're not using? It is. Especially, I mean, some of us were deeper in than others. I mean, I was an IV user as well. And it's like, to go from that to not shooting up, to not smoking it or snorting it, it's it's a fucking miracle in itself. And especially once the obsession is lifted as well. To not even think about using, to go on a daily life and be like, and not have to worry about, hmm, right. a bowl of meth right now sounds <laughs> real fucking good. Um, now it's a bowl of Cheerios. Right. And there's days where, you know, there's some days where you do think about it, but then there's some days where you completely forget about it, mm-hmm. you know? And, but those gifts do take time, but in my experience, they don't stop coming either. You know what I mean? Like the opportunities that have arisen because of me being, in this program have been abundant and constant, not constant, but, but steady, you know, like everything that I have, I've gotten because of this program, my car, I bought it from somebody in the program. My living situation I'm in right now is sober living, but the realtor I have, I'm trying to find my own place right now. The realtor I have, I got from somebody in this program. You know, uh, I have a mini fridge that I got from somebody in the program. I have a filing cabinet. I got from our home group, you know, like, Everything that I have is because of this, but you know, a lot of that stuff is like the financial gain and stuff, which is like fine and dandy, you know. But at the end of the, end of the day, you can't take it with you. One of the things that I got is like I'm allowed within 500 feet of my mother and my son. You know, I go, I'm going on a vacation with them in August, and I went on a vacation with them last year in August, and I went on a vacation the year before that with them in August. Like, 
I'm able, and you know, my mom, when I went home for, for, um, Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> when I went home for Christmas and it came time for me to leave, my mom cried and said, I will miss you. Like, this is the same woman. I broke her front door and like split her face open. You know, my mom's getting ready to come down. My, my anniversary is coming up. My mom's going to fly down here and see me pick up a medallion. You know, like the same woman that didn't want me within 500 feet of her and didn't want me to be around my son wants to be around me now. You know, my mom is talking about moving to Florida when she retires at the beginning of next year. You know, like, and another thing is like, you got to, sometimes you have to look for the gifts. Cause like you said, what, you know, a job offer might not be a gift. It might be an expectation. Well, in reality, it's a gift because there's homeless people out there. There's people with no jobs. There's people with no money. There's people with no homes and no food. And, you know, like if you were, if you want to break it down and be like overly grateful, everything can be a gift, right? You know, like I'm able to hit this vape. I'm able to pick up my phone and make a phone call. You know, I have food in my fridge, but like when you get down to it, the things that matter are like, I have peace of mind today. I can sit by myself in a room and not have to feel uncomfortable. You know, I can, I can, I can not react when somebody does something. And like, for me, that's like, I used to be the person, like I would snap off on you physically or verbally before you finish saying what you were saying. Like, I didn't give, like, you know, a lot of people grew up like, don't be the first one to, you know, don't start the fight, but you better end it. And like, no, nah, I'll start the fight. That's fine. Someone's <laughs> going to have to, and I'll be that person. You know? Um, you ever see like people when they get in fights, they like, start shoving first? Yeah. Nah. Nah. The minute somebody <laughs> shoved me, I considered that the first hit. Done. Yeah. You know, but like now I can not give my attention to things. I cannot respond. I can sit there and be like, okay, well, this person is going through this or, or maybe this person's having a bad day and I'm the, the unlucky person they're taking it out on. Like, sometimes I fall short. Sometimes I take things personally. Sometimes I do, you know, I'm not perfect. Because we all go through our own stuff. Right. And so sometimes people catch us at the, the worst times. I mean, recently with a, a person, I had to step back because I verbally snap off on people. Um, and when I do that, I, I dig deep. Same. I go for the jugular. Same. I go for the gut. And I was like, I just take a step back and be like, maybe they're going through something too. So like a couple hours later, I texted that individual. I was like, are you okay? Because you don't seem okay today. Right. And they're like, no, I am going through some stuff, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. Like, and it could have escalated a lot worse if I was just trying to prove myself correct. And just trying to make myself feel that I won the fight. Like, just, I took a small step back. Focused on the other person and what they were going through. And it was a simple conversation. Rather than having to call sponsors and be like, oh shit, we gonna have some drama. Um, But even that's a gift of recovery because you were able to not be selfish. mm -hmm. You were able to take a step away and realize, like, maybe this person's going through something that I know nothing about. And you're like, I'm the same way. My mom will tell you, like, my words will hurt worse than my fists ever will. Because, like, I don't pull any punches when I'm arguing or when I'm fighting with, with my tongue. Like, I'll, I'll say things that I know hurt you, and I'll say them intentionally. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm selfish as fuck. One, I'm an addict, so I'm selfish as shit. And two, I'm gay. Like, we're, <laughs> we're so fucking self-absorbed, it's not even funny. Um, so before we come to, like 
closing of the episode. Um, what is something you would like to share with everybody that you haven't thus far? Who, um, this has been the best experience of my life. You know, this, this, this clean time that I have right now, like it's something that I'm proud of. It's something that I've earned. And you know, like I give, I, I give thanks to my higher power, which I choose to call God. Um, if that word scares you, it's just a three letter word. Don't give it that much weight. It's not that serious. Um, but a lot of the work is through my higher power, but like I did a lot of it too. And this is something that I can look at and be like, I am proud of this. And like, you know, any addict, if I can do it, any addict can do it, you know? And like, if, if the addicts that came before me can do it, then I can do it. And like, I'll never forget when I was in treatment and somebody came for an H and I, and they said, look to your left look to your right of you three one's gonna die one's gonna relapse one's gonna stay clean and the same person who said that he goes somebody told me that when i was sitting in these seats and my first thought was why can't i be that one yeah and i took that to heart but you know in a perfect world we'd be able to get that to well why can't it be two out of three why can't it be three out of four why can't it be seven of ten eight of nine you know what i'm saying like in a perfect world like it'd be great if we could continue to see the success of recovery continue but you got to work at it this is not something that's just gonna happen through osmosis like you got to put the effort into it and always remember that that one more time thinking that i could use or just drink one more time could be your last because very very real possibility just like the discussion the other night i mean they're fucking heroin there's really not real heroin anywhere there anymore there's there's no such thing as heroin anymore so it's like the thing is, is that one more could be the end of it all um which i've heard many people state losing friends and loved ones through recovery so don't allow that one more to be your last correct um, yeah, correct because when i first came down here there was a gentleman he had three years and he used one time and he is no longer with us and i knew him personally that's crazy that's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope, I mean, I know that will happen in my, my recovery, but hopefully no time fucking soon. Correct. <laughs> uh, so, but I do appreciate you, Chris, coming I down here the opportunity. to talk Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own sober-owned shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober-owned. And remember, everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.